This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number tonight, 855-453-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. And you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy all the features uh, on the site completely free. And you can actually control the content as well. So if you find something online that you think is interesting, maybe you'd like to have us talk about it on the air, or perhaps you just want other listeners to see it, then you can submit it as show prep over at freetalklive.com. And it can be anything. It could be something like a YouTube video that was entertaining. It could be a really important news piece. It can be an opinion piece like a blog. Whatever you think is interesting, what you think our listeners and the hosts would enjoy, you can submit over at freetalklive.com. And you can also vote on the things that other people will submit by clicking on the upcoming stories uh, page. So that's uh, one of the most important things you can do with freetalklive.com is, is click on the upcoming stories page and vote on some stuff. All right, so 855-450-FREE. Joining you this evening, it's Ian. And Bo. And Allie. And Bo is here uh, courtesy of uh, VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. You are the editor of uh, Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. It's something that we've talked about, I think, to a, a fairly decent extent on Free Talk Live. We've got uh, advertisements running for it throughout the breaks on uh, the Free Talk Live live streams and actually across our radio stations, as a matter of fact. I, I took the time to, to put the 60-second uh, ad in as one of our regular spots that uh, goes off across the network to all of our stations. So hopefully a lot of people have uh, have heard about Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. And maybe we can talk more about the movie as the show goes on tonight. But I just wanted to let know let folks know uh, what you're notorious for, among other things. And maybe we'll learn more over time. 855-450-FREE allows you to take control of the airwaves. Uh, coming up here tonight, what I think is probably the most important discussion that needs to be had, uh, it's the draft. It looks like the winds are blowing again. I can't believe that this is something that I'm talking about during my lifetime that's being proposed. Uh, Something that I remember my mom talking about happening in her day and how, you know, never again, hopefully. And uh, I've heard it mentioned here and there, but I've never had any or never heard of anyone actually saying we should do it again. Yeah, well, this is not the first time I've heard this. Uh, It was a few years ago that similar discussions were going on. There, of course, was the discussion about uh, what they call national service that was happening during the 2008 election and was happening prior to that. And the idea of national service was to have uh, every young person in America essentially work for the government for a specified period of time. So they would be able to choose to either work in the military or if they had some sort of an objection to military work, then they would be able to choose, you know, I don't know, packing boxes or doing whatever other busy work uh, that the U.S. government decided to assign them to. So there would be kind of the military service wing of it and then what they might call like a civil service wing uh, of it. And either way, it was really creepy. Like with the civil service uh, wing, essentially what they wanted was they want a new bureaucracy, the people that are pushing this idea, and there's both Republicans and Democrats that were doing it. They want a whole new bureaucracy that will be as large and as well-funded as the U.S. military. So you're talking about, you know, a significant increase in the size and the scope of the bureaucracy of the U.S. federal government. Yeah, that's huge. I wonder how the military compares to, well, I guess I was thinking about how it would be not that hard with public school kids, just send them on off to the next bureaucracy. But public schools, I guess, are usually managed by, you know, states and local governments and, you know, there's a Department of Education, but all they do is 
uh, pass down diktats to, you know, these states to control their, you know, schools, however the federal government sees fit. But uh well, and that's exactly what they would do in this case. Is that's, the, the feds would come down with a mandate on all the schools that take federal money, which is just about every school out there and or every government school. And they would tell them, well, okay, now you have to tell all your kids that they're going to have to accept this three-month or two-year or however long this program is where they'll, they're going to go literally work for the, the government. And, but when you join the military, that's going to be more of – that's different than public schools in just the way the bureaucracy is managed because it's not a state thing where the states manage it, right? It's like all federal. The whole military is just completely federal, Correct. right? That's right. Okay. Although there are the National Guard uh, divisions, which uh, are seem, seem to be divided by state. I'm not sure how that works. I thankfully have never been personally involved, and I don't think either of you have nope. either. Nope. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I know there's like, there's definitely some state involvement with the National Guard, as far as I understand it. And okay. To some extent, that's kind of a branch of the military, I think. 855-450-FREE. Please, if you've been involved, surely you know more about this than we do. 1-855-450-3733. But I'm grateful that I wasn't forced into the military. Uh, I had considered it when I was a young man. I mean, People change over time. When I was a teenager, I you know, had some anger, uh, and I certainly considered joining the military. It was probably because it was glorified in war movies. Uh, it was likely because you know, there's this popular culture that surrounds it, uh, this glam and this glitz, and, and also the idea that, oh, you know, they're going to give you a paycheck and give you somewhere to live. and. Mm-hmm. It was really, I'm glad I didn't do it. Yeah, I bought into a lot of the uh, uh, propaganda and everything saying that I'd, you know, I'd go out and I'd see the world and I'd, you know, and do all this and everything. I did have an objection to war when I was younger, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, it's it, it's funny, you know, when you mentioned earlier that, that they'll offer an option for those that object to war. Well, you know, the government is war at the home. <laughs> the home you can join the ground. Peace Corps. Oh yeah, it's uh, the senior corps. No, I'm not joking. They have the senior corps too. What is that? What's it sound like? You uh, the when you get corps. old? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so putting old people to work for the government. See, that just makes me so sad. I don't want old. I don't want to think of you know the grandparents who have gotten. Uh, Basically, they're put in a bad situation and they just feel like, oh, I guess I'm just going to have to go back to work for the government again. Well, sure. I mean, a lot of people have take, expected the government to take care of them with the Social Security. And turns out you're not really getting what you thought you were going to get out of Social Security. And certainly we are definitely not going to get what uh, anyone in our generation might possibly expect is a possibility for Social Security. So there have been situations actually in uh, the cities where city governments have uh, essentially approached old people who are having trouble paying the taxes on their homes because property taxes can be pretty burdensome. They've approached them and they've they've said, well, since you can't afford to pay the taxes, you can just come work for us. You can work it off. So we'll have you come and uh, answer phones for us or you can pick up some trash or they'll have some other kind of low-intensity activity for an old person to come to do. So essentially – 
It's not quite exactly slavery, but it's really disturbing. Uh, really disturbingly close. That's at least when you go to a restaurant and you order a meal, you can't pay for it. Well, you can possibly do dishes or something. You know, like, maybe at least you got if the it. restaurant owner's okay with that idea, right? But you know, like at least at that point, you know, like. It, but you chose to go into the restaurant. Exactly. In this case, these, are, <laughs> these poor old folks. You know, you get so old and you can't afford to pay the inc- ever increasing property taxes because you're not working, and maybe you just didn't save enough or you don't have enough of a retirement plan. And then they die and they have the estate tax or the death tax. Sure. So apparently everything you do is is taxed cradle from, from cradle to grave. Now you can work for the state in your old years and uh, and then when you pass have uh, most of everything that you've earned go off to the state as well. There's a recent uh, reason article about how all the young people are getting screwed over by the old people and mm. this whole bureaucracy. What's new? Yeah. Well, I mean, they sort of really show how people who are just now sort of getting to the Social Security thing, they're uh, getting a lot of bang for their buck, man. You know, they're getting like so? $100,000 more out of the system than the way than what they put in, at least just in Social Security. Of course, they put more than that in in taxes and everything else. So it's nice that they get something back. But compared to what what people our age will get back, it's it you know we're getting nothing basically, and we're paying for for them to basically get. Um, it's going straight from our paychecks into sure. the old people's coffers. Yeah, there's no there's no midpoint. There's no savings uh, plan. But to say that they're getting a sweet deal, I don't know. That's not what I've heard. I mean, I've heard it's like 1% interest at best. So $100,000 in Social Security? The article made it look like that when they showed what people put in and how much they're getting out, that people just now going to the system are getting a lot more out of it than what they put in. 855-450-FREE. That's interesting. I'd be interested to, to learn more about that. Reason.com. or coming mm-hmm. up. This is Free Talk Live. There's a legendary piece of equipment in the radio world. It's the CC Radio 2. It has the best AM reception, bar none, thanks to their twin-coil ferrite AM antenna. It also has stellar FM reception, plus ham and weather. I recently got one. It's the nicest radio I've ever owned. If you're not familiar with the C-Crane Company, their products are lauded for their quality by experts the world over. I highly endorse the C-Crane Company. Get the CC Radio 2 at ccrane.com. C-C-R-A-N-E.com. This is Free Talk Live, bringing up what you want, toll-free at 855-450-FREE, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website, head over to freetalklive.com, and enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. Once again, that's freetalklive.com, and uh, those features, by the way, include the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, they're right there. You just click and download and get as many episodes as you want, going years, all the way back to uh, late 2006. It's all free. In fact, if you click over to our SoundCloud page, which you can do by looking at freetalklive.com, look to the left under Listen and Share, you'll find our SoundCloud link there, and that links you over to episodes of Free Talk Live, which have share buttons on them that allow you to easily share them to your Facebook page or Twitter profile, for instance. Uh, Maybe put it on a WordPress blog or wherever it is you want to embed it. All the tools are right there on the SoundCloud page. So go to freetalklive.com, and you can listen to as much as you like. Uh, By the way, Free Talk Live brought Brought to you by SACL CAI. 
you need collections done for your company, sick of doing it yourself, or tired of whatever company it is that you've hired to do it, they're not doing a good job, get in touch with SACL CAI. They can do collections with respect, so you can keep your customers down the line as well, which is really important. So once again, SACL CAI, you can see their banner at the right-hand side of freetalklive.com in the banner column. It's the very top banner there. So, uh, once again, toll-free number here tonight, 855-450-FREE. Disturbing news coming out of Washington, where General Stanley McChrystal, the top former, excuse me, former top commander of international forces in Afghanistan, said last month that the United States should bring back the draft if it ever goes to war again, which, of course, it hasn't stopped going to war, so... (laughs) I'm sure it will. The U.S. government will continue uh, its warmongering efforts. We're the nation that can't decide if we're at war or not. Are we at war? Well, it sort of seems it sure seems like war, but there's been no declaration. So. Oh, you're talking about the legal declaration of right. war, right? Well, right. Well, so when people are, is war a legal declaration, or is war when uh, soldiers go over and get killed? Right. What? It, how do people? you define it? Yeah, I, 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 you know, going through the uh, public indoctrination of my old high school and everything, they, they would continue to try and tell me that, oh yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's a conflict, it's not a war, right. <laughs> the yeah. Vietnam conflict. <laughs> yes, but then when you know they want to make a, a big impression on you, say we're at war, but then if you point out, well, there hasn't been a declaration, so they try to use the war thing sure. to, to get you to commit to more stuff, like oh, you have to. Um, you have to get behind give, the country. Give, yeah, get behind the country. Give part of yourself for your nation. Ask what you can do for your country. Well, that's kind of the mindset here uh, with the the idea of bringing back the draft. Uh, there are a lot of excuses, a lot of uh, rationale that the draft advocates will use. And this uh, is actually the first time we've talked about the draft itself. We talked about national service over the last few years. But the draft itself hasn't really been, at least that I've seen in the news in a number of years. Now, we have discussed you know, sort of the draft winds blowing in the past on this program. Like there were selective service commercials running during the mid-aughts, so like around 2005 or earlier. I would hear them on the radio frequently where the government was running selective service spots. I've still heard them occasionally as well, so I think they're probably still out there running. And for those that don't know, the selective service is uh, – Maybe ladies may not know this, but the selective service is something that uh, forces all 17-year-old males to register before their 18th birthday, or at least it purports to force them. There are threats issued against the teenage uh, young males, and they are threatened with perhaps jail time, perhaps something like $200,000, $250,000 in fines, uh, not being able to get student loans, not being able to work for state or federal governments, and so there's a lot of threats that uh, that are issued surrounding this idea of, hey, you better send in your draft card, basically. I have heard the radio commercials for this, uh, them basically saying, you have to do this. It's your duty. Yep. And don't they even, uh, I'm not into the whole voting thing, but don't they require you to uh, sign up for the selective service if you wish to vote? I don't think that's in every state. I okay. believe that, uh, that that is maybe the case in some states. I'm, I'm not certain how widespread that is. Okay. If you if you would like, you may share your experience with Selective Service at 855-450-FREE. But coming up, uh, Bo, you've got a, some news about these draft boards being restaffed. But let's talk about the top dog here, this former general, uh, Stanley McChrystal. I guess he is a, you know, he's a general and he was formerly active. But he was speaking uh, apparently at some conference and he said the following. I think we ought to have a draft. 
if a nation goes to war, I think it shouldn't be solely the uh, I it shouldn't be solely represented by a professional force because it gets to be unrepresentative of the population. He said this at a late night event at the Aspen Ideas Festival. He said, "I think if a nation goes to war, every town, every city needs to be at risk." You make that decision, and everybody has skin in the game. So I've heard this argument made by even people that consider themselves to be liberals, which in general I would think they would be anti-draft, but I've actually heard liberals say that they support a draft because they think that by having a draft, it would make a country less likely to go to war or less ready to go to war. But the people but the, deciding to go to war aren't the ones that are going to go. Well, the, a lot of times the rationale is also coming from the perspective from the left. When, when someone on the left supports a draft, uh, it, it is frequently because they believe that the rich people will be subjected to the draft as well. The politicians and the corporate uh, industry leaders and those folks, the people, a lot of these lefties that support the draft actually believe that those people would be hooded, put in harm's way. And so therefore, because the sons and daughters of the rich would be put in harm's way, that would stop war from happening. Right. That's this how is, crazy it is. This is the, the, the same same argument uh, as, as, well, you know, we should tax the rich too, you know. Uh, right, as though them. the right. rich wouldn't be able to avoid the tax. Or yeah. as though the, riches, uh, the rich people's sons or daughters wouldn't be able to get some cushy desk job or whatever. Okay, yeah, you know, uh, George Clooney's son's been drafted, but he's pushing papers in some corner office somewhere. I mean, it's not like those people are going to be put on the front lines. Right, it's funny how the, how the left... They, it's the rash. The idea is that oh, these rich people are so powerful that they can just get around anything. So we should put another thing for them to get around that we'll all have to be subjected to. But they're going to get around it. That's the whole idea anyway. That's why you're mad at them. Well, that's the thing, you know. With the, there's two, there's obviously two uh, sets of, or two classes in the society. Sure. You know, so uh, of of course these people are going to get away with it. You know, and uh, it appears that you know, like you said, the people on the left they want to um, even out the the playing field. Well, it's the it's the old fantasy that well, if only I were in charge. I mean, the the person advocating for the re- return to the draft, who's coming from a, a left perspective. Now, the righties have their own reasons. We can address those in a moment. But uh, somebody coming from the left who wants that is still of that same belief system that. Well, people who are just like me could possibly be in charge, and then we would definitely put these rich people's kids on the front lines. And it's just this ridiculous idea that somehow the little guy is going to be given the reins of power. And is that what happened in Nam? Did all these wealthy people's kids get sent to war? <laughs> no. I mean, is there has it ever happened? I think that there have always been kind of these uh, trumped up examples like, you know, Elvis has joined the military. That kind of thing mm-hmm. where they use some high profile person to It's a propaganda. Yeah, to mm-hmm. make people across the country think, Oh well, yeah, now it's people. now it's football players. Everybody's doing it. Yeah, eight five five four fifty three one eight five five four five zero three seven three three. More from this Stanley McChrystal, this US general, top commander of the international forces in Afghanistan on why he thinks we should bring back the draft.
MindThings.com is a fun online game that pits you against people around the world to mine for scarce resources. Do business in a capitalist economy with virtually mined gold tax-free. You could be a trader doing business between cities, a pirate lying in wait for hapless traders, a guard capturing pirates, or one of nine other professions. It doesn't require a big-time commitment. Your mining robots work whether you're logged in or not. It costs nothing to play, but you can buy bonuses. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MindThings.com. Use coupon code FTL. Double your mining speed. It's free. MindThings.com. is free talk live dial in toll free and bring up what you want 855-450-FREE that's 1-855-450-3733 we have news updates and you can get signed up for them at news.freetalklive.com follow via email twitter facebook whichever method is most appropriate for you that's uh, news.freetalklive.com and of course the news features are completely free news.freetalklive.com stanley mccrystal the former top commander of international forces in Afghanistan, according to the NewsTribune.com, was speaking at the 2012 Aspen Ideas Festival. And boy, is his idea original. Oh, no, never mind. He wants to bring back the draft, which is an old idea, and it's a terrible idea. And what's different about this guy saying it, apparently, is that it, it's been... I don't know how long it's been, but people that have paid attention to this, there's a quote in another one of these articles I don't have in front of me right now saying it's been years since uh, a lot, like a long time since somebody who's an actual military, high-ranking, you know, professional bureaucrat guy making the statement that we need to have a draft that this volunteer professional uh, troops, these guys, these professionals, that's not good enough. Because normally that's seen as an insult. Uh, it's kind of uh, taken by the people that are that consider themselves like military pros, professionals, people that have chosen to join the military. These guys, a lot of the times, don't want to work side by side with somebody that's been forced to be there. I mean, can you imagine? Why would you want to? Why would you right. want to? It can already be hard enough to deal with coworkers that imagine if they're there against their will. Right. I mean, you you work at a uh, convenience store during the yeah. daytime, uh, Allie, and it, just imagine if some teenage punk kid, uh, 16 years old or 18 years old, gets put in your store by some government program that's, uh, you know, this is a troubled kid, and so we need to uh, get him some good job experience and help, you know, he should learn how to help the community and, and help his customers, and so we're just going to force him to work for the convenience store right. for eight hours a day. Keep imagine, him away from the customers is right. what I would do. Well, yeah, and you'd basically have to to be his babysitter to mm-hmm. uh, to some extent, and then take a look at high schools, middle schools, all kinds of public schooling, and see all these kids forced together, and and how and, that works out. Right. Yeah, people people who don't want to be somewhere being forced to be somewhere with other people who don't want to be in that same place. Yeah, that's great. That, but that's what they're talking about doing here. This guy is serious, and uh, so we'll get to his reasons for this in a moment. Because why would he say that? Why why would he? Make this statement and risk upsetting basically the the whole volunteer military community. These guys don't want to work next to draftees. So he says that everybody needs to have skin in the game. Now, this is an interesting term. He thinks it's a game. Apparently. I think that's pretty revealing right there. It's way more fun if everyone has skin in it. He argued the burdens of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan haven't been properly shared across the U.S. population and emphasized that the U.S. military could train draftees so that there wouldn't be a loss of effectiveness in the war effort. Really? How's that? 
what is he what is he even suggesting there? What is the war effort anyway? I still am un- I'm unclear about that. Well, basically, you uh, give uh, contracts to a bunch of military contractors uh, and then send men overseas to perish in the attempts of utilizing up as much ordnance uh, and uh, tanks and other battle things as they possibly can. Well, it's good for the, uh, you know, the government racketed economy, you know, so, I mean, these, as you said, it's it's great for the military industrial complex. Right. So it's a suggestion that the military industrial complex, the manufacturers are able to produce even more material than there are volunteer military personnel to use up the material. Like, they can't use it up fast enough, I That's guess. That's a good point. This, uh, If they go through with the draft and they, let's say, double the size of the military, uh, then that would be a whole lot more boots and bullets and bombs and other things that the uh, military-industrial complex could, uh, could manufacture. And, and what's the deficit at right now? <laughs> if I know trillions of dollars, I think. Yeah, that that seems smart to jump into to more spending. Or the debt. The debt is trillions of dollars. I'm not sure what the deficit is. Oh, okay. So, because uh, the deficit is the uh, the amount that a budget falls short, and then debt is what happens after deficits continue to rack up year after year after year. Uh, thanks for the clarification. So, uh, so again, back to uh, McChrystal here. He argued that these burdens haven't been properly shared. He says, I've enjoyed the benefits of a professional service, but I think we'd be better. If we actually went to a draft these days, he said there would there would be some loss of professionalism, but for the nation, for the nation, it would be a better course. What is he referring to? Is he referring to the politicians, the U.S. government, the plot of land, the people within the plot of land? Yeah. What does the nation mean? Right. And, and what's this uh, professionalism about uh, killing people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's basically telling the current military, you know what, you guys, well, screw you, because we're going to bring in these amateurs, we're going to force them to fight, you know, in the same wars as uh, as you are, and we're going to do it because it's good for the nation. doesn't matter about you guys, you, you know, more of you might die because you're going to be working with these unprofessional people, because you don't matter. What so, matters is the nation, and what that really means is what matters is the size and the scope of the U.S. military and the amount of contracts they can give out. I guess I sort of thought that maybe the guys already in the military and women already in the military would maybe approve of this because I understand that there's a lot of – I mean, I don't know what would be a desirable job in the military as it is, but they make it sound as if – the people that do the killing, that's where you want to be. And then there's extra work, you know, that's just you're just make, makeshift jobs or, or make work jobs and that they just stick other people with doing that. That's the kind of job I would want if I was in the military, if I, you know, got duped into doing that. But I wouldn't want any of it personally. I'd rather go sit in a brig. Well, the suggestion, I think, is that they're going to fill the draftees in to do these jobs that are menial tasks. I don't know if he's making that suggestion. Have you heard anything that specifies that? Well, the opinion piece that I have from the New York Times by Thomas E. Ricks, Mm -hmm. he talks about how it would work or maybe it's just... I guess I'd like to opinion. get to that. I'd yeah. like to get to that because that's uh, this is we're going to start. I think with the, what McChrystal had to say, and then this op-ed piece from the New York Times expounds on how the program could work, and I think that could be interesting. But let's talk to David, listening in Connecticut. David, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Bo and Ali. I'm not in Connecticut. <laughs> oh well, somebody somebody wrote Connecticut on here. I apologize. Go ahead, David. Hey, what's up? Uh, this is what I was going to say. I'm like 
I'm sort of for the draft because I'm against the wars. Well, how does that I, work exactly? For me, that works by um, there's a lot of complacency and a lot of people who are just like la di da, going throughout their days, not knowing anything about you know, you know, it doesn't, you know, they're just not aware. If people are forced to have their sons and daughters, there may be a more of a hue and cry and objection to the wars, and and that may that may you know make some objectors and and more of a outcry. I, I've I've heard that, and I, I don't I don't know if I can entirely buy that. I've I've heard that from a lot of occupiers, mm-hmm. and and it, it it seems like uh, it's it's very similar to um, uh, the whole crash of the dollar you know like people like waiting for this or waiting for like a government armageddon of some sort right what do you want them to do i mean what would your vision be uh, david let's say that this happens let's say your idea goes through and uh, david's draft is uh, is born and they start drafting folks from all different uh, economic strata and they're forced uh, into military service they begin shipping out to uh, afghanistan and maybe they'll ship them out to Syria or some other place because, you know, draft means they can have more war. So they go out and they start another war maybe with Iran or something like that. And so people start getting shipped out. What do you think that would happen exactly? I think people being forced to go to the wars, forced to go and perhaps lose their lives, mothers and fathers being forced to have their daughters put in, uh, sons and daughters in harm's way, the American people would, I would think, you know, they would would object, and well, perhaps well, so that what if they object to it? Huh? Huh? Well, <laughs> I think it was Alexander Haig who's famous for saying, "Let them protest so long as they pay their taxes." What does it matter if the American people object if they keep sending their kids to die? And if you want, I can bring it back here, David, and you can answer the question, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I mean, a lot of people are objecting to Obamacare, but they're going to go ahead and, and jump in and do what the program tells them to do because they're too afraid not to. And people are going to send their kids to war while objecting because they're too afraid not to. It's Free Talk Live. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at spendbitcoins.com. When you spend bitcoins on Amazon via spendbitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.spendbitcoins.com. Once again, that's spendbitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Toll free number here is 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features there for you. Again, freetalklive.com. A lot of uh, features on the site. You can enjoy them all on the house. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for accessing their sites. And if you like Free Talk Live, you can always voluntarily contribute to the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in three bucks a month, and then that is taken and invested into Free Talk Live so we can get on more radio stations around the country. I actually just got a signed agreement from a new station in Florida. I can't say exactly which one yet because it's going to be another month or so before they come on board, but I'm excited. It's actually a station that's run by a former general manager that I used to work for back in the day. So you always a, leave us on the end, on the end of our seats. It's a it's a small world in the uh, the radio business. Anyway, so all that's made possible by Free Talk Live listeners like you becoming Free Talk Live amplifiers, and you get 
bonuses like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only forum, podcast, and more. Get the details. Get signed up with any major credit card through PayPal, or you can use Visa or MasterCard right on our site. Again, amp.freetalklive.com. So again, the toll-free number here tonight is 855-450-FREE. We had David on the line. Apparently, something happened during the break. He dropped off the line, but I think it's important to kind of continue on addressing his point, which is the idea that, well, we should have the draft back because then people will get upset and doggone it, Americans will stand up and they'll do something about it. See, I understand the frustration with people's complacency about war. Mm -hmm. When you bring up the war, people are like, why are you bringing that up? I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to think about it. And I can see like being frustrated with these people and wanting to shake them and be like, what if it was your kid? Right. And almost like wishing it was their kid, but then that's evil and we should avoid those kind of thoughts. We shouldn't be putting them into practice. Right. You don't end evil by doing evil. I mean, even David acknowledged that you would be forcing people into the military. That's what the draft is. You're threatening people with violence if they don't do as you tell them and go and be some kind of a grunt. And or, you know, if they're going to have the alternative program, you can go and be a grunt in another way. You can go and do what you're told. Do as you're told for the military for X amount of period of time. Accept whatever arbitrary stipend they decide to send your way for it and pat yourself on the back and tell yourself how nationalistic you are and how much you've helped the country. So Vietnam went from 1955 to 1975 and there's a draft. Obviously, it doesn't end wars. And and look at Israel right now. Don't they have a uh, selective uh, service sort of thing where you turn eighteen and all of a sudden you have to do two years of military service? There are countries that are uh, that are that way. And and they didn't uh, revolt, did they? Well, no. I mean, who's going to do that? I mean, look at look at how the American people behave now. What makes you think that this would push them over the edge? And what do you think they'll do? What grab some signs and protest? Well, when has that ever changed anything? Look at the history of the country and how many people have uh, waved signs and shouted and yelled. And, I mean, what did you have? Occupy last year. That was a big deal. Maybe it's going to come back, though it hasn't really seemed to come back this year. It's it's warm now, so I don't know what they're waiting for. I realize there's still some Occupies maybe here and there, but it certainly doesn't have the buzz. It doesn't have the, uh, the cohesiveness uh, that it did last year. And what did you really get out of it? How about the Tea Party? What did you really get out of that besides other politicians Coming forward and labeling themselves as Tea Party conservatives or some politician saying, I'm, you know, I'm with Occupy. I mean, what ultimately has come from from all this? Well, I think there's going to be a third thing like the Tea Party movement and the Occupy movement that's oh. going to be more libertarian, more or, you know, like li- not libertarian is in libertarian party, but more maybe voluntarist centered. And it'll maybe bring all kinds. It'll be bigger because it could include everyone. I think that that's how it's going to work, but that's just my theory. But what will they do? Wave some signs? Tote some banners? Bring people together for a, you know, hopefully common cause. Great. Now send us your son. You go ahead and bring your people together for your common cause and make sure you send your son because if you don't, we're going to come take him. What are you going to do about that? Is, is your waving banners going to solve that? Move away. Okay, you could go to Canada, maybe, but they don't accept uh, people as far as uh, asylum anymore. That's over. It might have worked during the Vietnam War. There's but it's lots not of places you can go. 
I get what you're saying, but that's not really likely for most people, is it? I mean, most people feel like they are locked down. A lot of, I'm not going to say most people, but a lot of people feel like they're locked in, locked in where they are. Their roots are there and wherever it is they live. Their family's there. Their friends are there. Their job is there. And they're not going to pick up and go to the Bahamas mm-hmm. uh, or you know run to Mexico because the draft happens. There will be a small percentage of people who will be willing to send their kids out of the, the country or maybe run with them or whatever, do whatever it takes to get out. Uh, there will be a small percentage of people just like there, there have been in the past. But to believe that bringing back the draft is going to galvanize the American people into somehow stopping the draft and then stopping war, like stopping war and then the draft or how, whatever it is they think is going to happen in their mind's eye in that scenario, it's just unbelievable to me. There's no evidence that the American people have the steadfastness uh, or the, uh, I guess, the huevos to pull something like that off. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I'm not going to advocate bringing back the draft in order to be proven wrong on that. Right. I, I wonder, though, if if the uh, you, you'd see a reaction from from military personnel before you'd see a reaction like as as far as an anti-draft reaction yeah yeah well uh, as you were saying before uh they're not going to be wanting to be working around these draftees and everything true Um, maybe the military will help solve that problem by uh putting the draftees in their own regiments or whatever you you call them in their own you have a platoon full of draftees which would basically be based you know cannon fodder send them in first and uh, let them take the well, I, I've I've talked to several you know veterans and and people who are still in the military and everything, and and they're saying they're just standing around. They're not they don't have anything to do, and the, you know they still have kind of a status mindset and everything. But they're, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're complaining about being bored. Mm-hmm. You know, I've what, heard this. What's going to happen when when there's you know twice as many people working with you mm-hmm. and still nothing to do? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, that's just what do they do now? They stand around. They, uh, I know that Puke uh, from Puke and the gang talked about how they would sweep dirt off of an airfield. I mean, just <laughs> stupid nonsense like this. I mean, just total waste, busy work, a busy work, wastes of time. Yeah, but it, mean, that's not that's not what matters. I mean, the the end result of what the troops are doing it doesn't really matter, right? As long as they're consuming the military industrial complex products, as long as those troops are. So, okay, let's bring another 100,000 troops over there, build another, you know, however many more tents and barracks and buildings that are necessary. There's a construction contract for Halliburton right there. Uh, you know, let's build some buildings. Okay, now we've got to have more troop transports, got to have some more C-130s. We've got to have all more kind of everything just to bring them over to stand around or to bring them over to die. I mean, it doesn't – whatever it is they end up doing, you know, is is still going to be a huge waste. Well, it just seems sort of – it seems sort of this is what people talk about when they say socialism. Is is it not? Is something like a draft or something where you're forced to work for the government? Is that not basically socialism? Pay your dues, you know, contribute. That's mm. <laughs> Yeah, you owe you owe a debt, they will tell you. They'll say that you owe a debt to the country. For Although, the roads. <laughs> how, that, yeah, how that debt was created is never explained. Uh, it's, the idea is that America is a great place and it would be better if you just go and work for the government for two years. So we can get more into how the draft is being maybe proposed by some other you – know, there are a lot of ideas that have been put forth over the, over the years. But let's continue because this McChrystal character has more to say. Again, this is the former uh, top commander, General Stanley McChrystal of the forces in Afghanistan. 
He says, we've never done that in the United States before. We've never fought an extended war with an all-volunteer military. So what it means is you've got a very small population that you're going to, meaning the volunteers, and you're going to it over and over and over again. Because it's less than 1% of the population, people are very supportive, but they don't have the same connection to it. Reservists following multiple deployments have trouble maintaining careers and families have a frighteningly high and the uh, vets have a frighteningly high rate of suicide, he said. So he's positioning this pro-draft concept as being for the volunteer military, that even though the volunteer military might not like to work alongside draftees, the idea of bringing draftees is to lighten the load on the volunteer military. These guys, it's just, it's been a tough run. They've been out there for years and, you know, we just need to bring some uh, some new uh, weight in here, some dead, you know, some bodies that can soon be uh, dead bodies and let them take some bullets for, for a little while. Or in the case of uh, Bo's example, just stand around. But, you know, they make it sound like, oh, it's just so brutal on our military members, so we just need to have the volunteer, the uh, draftees in there. Right, and he doesn't look at, like, why are these men getting deployed over and over and over again you know they they come home to the families and they think they're done and then oh nope gotta go back why is this happening is it because there's not enough men out there already or is it because you know they just can't they can't see ending this this whole cycle of warfare and imperialism the united states has going on that you know it it's not necessary to begin with so adding more people into it isn't going to help 855-450-FREE. Your thoughts are certainly welcome here. We're talking about the draft, and there's a lot more to discuss, including the opinion piece uh, from the New York Times. And McChrystal himself has a few more words we'll share with you here in moments. 855-450-FREE. Hour 2 is next. Free Talk Live. Hey, college students. The Independent Institute in Oakland, California, is putting on the Challenge of Liberty seminar this summer. You can spend a week connecting with other liberty-minded students from around the world, attending seminars with libertarian luminaries, and grappling with pressing issues facing the world's economy and its people. Go to seminar.freetalklive.com. It's $195 for the class and $300 for the room and meals at the beautiful Notre Dame de Namur University in Belmont, California. Seminar.freetalklive.com. is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. So here as we launch into the second hour of the program, the number is 855-450-FREE. That number is brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-855-450-3733. Of course, you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com and enjoy a lot of the features that we give to you there. Uh, they're all completely free. So once again, freetalklive.com. You actually can control the content of the site as well, uh, submit different items to it, and vote upon those which have been submitted by others. You can vote by by going to the Upcoming Stories uh, link there right on the front page. Click Upcoming Stories, and then you'll be able to vote up or down on stuff you like and don't, and the most liked make it to the front page in the top of the site over at freetalklive.com. So we're going to continue sharing with you some of the uh, quotes from General Stanley McChrystal. He's the former top commander of international forces in Afghanistan, and he has come out and advocated Bringing back the draft. And it's been a little while since uh, this has really hit major mainstream news. Uh, There have been sort of draft indicators that have happened over the last decade, uh, but nobody's really kind of 
taken the ball and run forward with it. And McChrystal himself can't do anything about bringing back the draft. He can just advocate for bringing back the draft. And him advocating for it brings some new level of, I guess, credibility to the message. Credibility in the pers- from the perspective of people that think government bureaucrats are credible. I don't, of course. But a lot of people will look at this guy and they'll say to him, you know, they'll say about this, oh, well, he's a general. Oh, well, he must know. I mean, he's he's an expert. Right. So general, general is like... That's a big deal, I guess. And then also is in the New York Times. I wonder if the New York Times, like we were talking about how these ideas about bringing back the draft kind of appeal to the left. People know the New York Times for being kind of leftist. Do you think that they selectively, I'm sure generals say all kinds of things, like formal, former generals, if I guess apparently you can't be a former general if you're a general, once a general, always a general. Yeah, like they still call uh, people that were president, president. Right. So... I'm sure they say all kinds of crazy things. Do you think that this this was his comments were selected by the New York Times to sort of hopefully bring this back? Do you think the writers of the New York Times want this? I don't know if it was necessarily the New York Times who originated the story. I mean, uh, again, the, the news pieces come up, pop up all over the place. These quotes I'm reading are from the News Tribune, which is not the New York Times. So I wouldn't say that this was any particular left or right thing. I don't know what General Stanley McChrystal's political party is. That doesn't – to me, it doesn't matter because if you look at what he's saying about why the draft should be brought back, it's not really something – it's an idea that doesn't really pander to either the right or the left. He's essentially saying that, well, we should bring back the draft, he says, because it's going to be good for the nation – which is a kind of a nationalistic perspective, not a left or right thing, and that it's going to be good for the existing volunteers because they won't have as large of a burden placed upon them. Essentially, he says here that uh, that it's you know it's very difficult uh, to be in the military as a volunteer because they keep going back to the same people to keep bringing them into conflict after conflict. He says that uh, we're going to have to relook the whole model because I don't think we can do this again. That is, continue on. Uh, with this volunteer force in what he calls an extended uh, war. So he said this has never happened before, that the military has never fought an extended war with an all-volunteer military. He says it's it's very hard on those uh, those volunteers, very difficult. Of course, isn't that what they signed up for, was to be in the military and to be put into wartime situations? Well, well I said, think he's, I he's appealing of... to people's emotions about how difficult war is on the current squad or the, the current squads. Yeah, but I think a lot of guys, and maybe... I just feel like a lot of I keep saying like it's all men in the military. Sadly, there are also women in the military. True, but aren't isn't it that but, only men are in combat roles at this time? Yeah, I guess maybe, maybe. But do they all sign up? I, I'm under the impression that people will sign up thinking uh, that this is just going to be an easy way to pay for my college or whatever it is. Some of them may believe that. Uh, they may have been told lies by military recruiters who may have also told them that, oh, yeah, sure, we'll put you in the division you want to be in. You can have that job that, uh, oh, you you like computer games, huh? Well, we can put you in the software programming division where you can work right. on the military computer games. So sure. as much as it's, it's a volunteer army, I think they still are pretty uh, – I think there's like Deceptive. some fraud going yeah. on there. Well, yeah, and I think those uh, those uh, kids, basically kids, who are who are getting roped into, you know, like as you mentioned, uh, hey, you can design computer games and this and that. Well, yeah. uh, you know, it, it seems as though they're operating, at least from their perspective at times, computer games when they're dr- flying these drones, drones around. Sure. Yeah, they spend yeah. lots of money uh, promoting joining the military through the use of 
little uh, games, like not just, you know, World of Warcraft or, well, that's not really a military uh, America's thing. America's Army. But yeah, right. like not just like the kind of games people would go out and buy, but a lot of these recruiting offices, like there was one in New York City and it was just, you know, supposed to make, look like a game, like war is just fun. Wow. And, you know, these kids would come in and they it's would creepy. play the little arcade game and then and then enlist right after that yep. as if it's going to be the same at all. So maybe it will be now that there's more drone technology. Maybe it will be like playing a computer game. I don't know. Yeah, except the people you're, <laughs> you're except the it's people you're killing are real people. Right. Well, yeah, I wonder if they would even try and justify or call that uh, a, a non-combat position if they're not going hand to hand or, or actually. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. yeah. How does that jive with this whole thing? Like because they're talking about how all this new technology is going to make it so you don't need as many people as many boots on the ground because now it's being all computerized and uh, made easier for one person to kill many people. Mm-hmm. I mean, sadly, that's what a lot of technology is being used to, well, think to do. Of, think about it. It's it's probably easier to do that sort of thing, to push a button and uh, kill somebody far away than it would be to actually pull a trigger and watch somebody's you know head explode or something like that. Right. If you look at the Milgram experiment where the uh, where the doctor or the uh, researcher would, would say, okay, press the button and it'll zap the guy in the other room. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing, too. The, the guy was in the other room. Do you think it would have happened if he was in the same room? Well, they, I think yeah. they adjusted that in some versions of the Milgram experiment where if they were closer uh, to the person rather than disconnected or separated by walls and that sort of thing, they were more likely to not continue shocking that person. Right. So, yeah, they did They did uh, test for that. 855-453. One more uh, quote here from the Crystal. This was, by the way, uh, this is the quotes he's uh, being cited here as saying came out during a discussion about managing marriage in the military. So he wasn't even at this event to be like a keynote speaker on bringing back the draft or anything like that. He was sitting on a panel at this ideas seminar in uh, in Colorado and uh, about marriage uh, in the military. He was joined by his wife of 35 years and the discussion was moderated by some CNN personality. He says that multiple deployments often result in divorces and split families. So, I mean, he's admitting here, he already talked about how there's an incredibly high rate of suicide among people that are in the military. And now here he's admitting that being in the military destroys families and breaks up marriages. Uh, but he's saying, oh, it's only those long deployments. So we can just bring in some draftees and then our people won't have to be deployed as long. And that's going to help people. They're not going to commit suicide as much and they're not going to be uh, divorcing as often. So we're just going to bring a bunch of uh, slave uh, troops in here, draftees, uh, to to help the current military. That's his position. And so it's not a, a right, uh, it's not a left position. It's a, I'm trying to be compassionate for our troops position, which is a very general nationalistic kind of stance that will engender uh, warm feelings among any statist, whether right or left. And one of my questions is, and we'll get to the New York Times here in just a moment and their op-ed piece on how this might work, this draft idea might work. But what I'm expecting to happen out of this, and I hope it doesn't, I really don't, but based on what happened in the 2008 election where John McCain and Barack Obama came together for a summit, as they called it, on not the draft but national service, which is very much like a draft uh, except it's a a different program that's non-military, they both came out in favor of this. So they had a summit on national service or something like that, and then both of the presidential candidates spoke at it. They both came out in favor of it. So it was like one of those, one of those heartwarming moments where the Republicans and Democrats have 
locked arms together, and they're going to move ahead with America's future. So if this conversation keeps happening in the media about the draft and bringing back the draft, and there's this military you know, general who's saying, bring back the draft, it's probably only going to be a matter of time before some uh, moderator at an upcoming presidential debate asks the two candidates, so how do you feel about President, you know, Mr. McChrystal's uh, exhortation to bring back the draft? And then, of course, Obama and Romney will both say, I think that's a great idea. Get 18,000 radio stations from around the world. Pandora, Opio, Live 365, and MP3 tunes. With C-Crane's CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio. It's great in any room of the house. You can listen to your favorite station stream from back home, whether it's another state or another country. Play Free Talk Live's live streams, lrn.fm, or your favorite stations. If you're not familiar with the C-Crane company, their products are the best. Get the CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio at ccrane.com. C-C-R-A-N-E.com. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 855-453. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website. Head over to freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that we give to you there. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. And by the way, joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Bo. And Allie. And 855-453 allows you to take control here. And we've been talking about the draft. I think it's a really important issue. We're going to continue that in a moment. We'll also want to remind you that if you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, you need to know about ManVentureOutpost.com. They carry knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and even boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com, family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices are so low they can't even be talked about on the air. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL when you check out over at ManVentureOutpost.com. Get it quick and get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Uh, we'll continue here and take your calls about what you want. Shadow listening in Huntsville, the WBHP Shadow. You're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, hi. Uh, I, was, I listened to uh, things when you guys go on break and on the draft is still here. They always tell you, well, it's behind it for selective service when you're 18 years old or you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, I'll tell you, that was that way back in, in my day, too, the Vietnam thing. And sure, I got a draft card, but I turned on and burned it, too. Good and, for you. And I, and I, well, I'm, I looked at it this way right now, and I want to understand. I'm an Indian, all right, like I said before, I'm Mohawk, and I'm not going to support a government that tried to destroy our people, all Indian people in this country, stole the lands. I'm not going to some foreign country to help that government do the same thing over there and kill innocent people, women, and children, and babies, and all that. I'm not going to support that. I heard you, Shadow. Thanks for sharing your thoughts tonight. I appreciate, I appreciate it. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. So uh, with the Selective Service, Shadow's right. Uh, it's essentially all of the structure for the draft. It's all still in place. All they've really done, all they really did when they, they ended the draft, was they just flipped a switch. They just stopped the draft process. The Selective Service still exists. They're still doing all of the things necessary to reinstate, I mean, to to turn the draft back on. All they have to do is flip that switch again, and uh, the Selective Service is back. I mean, excuse me, the Selective Service is still there, so the draft just comes back. The mechanisms are still operating, and they have been operating for decades. And, Bo, you're actually going to share with us here in a little bit some details about how they're they're actively attempting to staff these draft boards again. And they've been doing that, by the way, for a number of years. So that's not something that just just started happening last week. So it would only really 
be something that men would be eligible for because women don't have to sign up for the selective service when they're well, 18. Well, that's a good question. And maybe your piece from the New York Times, Allie, will give us more insight into at least one of the plots that are afoot to bring back the draft. Because we had talked in the last hour, for those of you just tuning in, Stanley McChrystal, who's the former top uh, commander for the international forces in Afghanistan, this general uh, has come out in favor of bringing back the draft. And so that has inspired this op-ed person, this editorial writer at yeah. the New York Times. It's Thomas E. Ricks, and uh, he says, in late June, he basically just summarizes, so I'll just get to the meat. This is the first time in recent years that a high-profile officer has broken ranks to argue that an all-volunteer force is not necessarily good for the country or the military. Unlike Europeans, Americans still seem determined to maintain a serious military force, so we need to... Re- to think about how to pay for it and staff it by creating a draft that is better and more equitable than the Vietnam era conscript conscription system. So I don't know what he means by, uh, unlike Europeans, Americans still seem determined to maintain a serious military force. It doesn't seem like either. It doesn't seem like Americans really like, you know, what the military has been doing. So I don't know that that's there are plenty of Americans that uh, that like the war effort, but what are the percentages these days? I, I don't know. I was under the impression that it was becoming pretty unpopular, the war efforts. I certainly think so. I mean, it it, it, it appears that, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I read all kinds of articles all the time about people, uh, especially active military personnel, saying, well, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, right. see, the, I don't see the point. You know, it, it, it really... Um, it's it's going to be telling uh, if they were to do this, if they were to enact something like this. Well, yeah, what what would happen if they actually did do this? And maybe, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe the tide has turned against uh, the war, but certainly that hasn't prevented more warmongering politicians from coming forth and offering themselves to the uh, the American people. I mean, Romney and Barack Obama, they're not going to stop war. So, <laughs> so if it's true that the tide has turned against war... That hasn't really manifested into anything. And I guess that gets us back to what David called about last hour, where there's this suggestion that, oh, well, if you bring back the draft, then the tide will definitely turn against war, and that'll stop war. Well, but of it, course, that, the draft has never stopped war. It does It does appear, though, that, that it has actually affected uh, the, the scope of things in a way, because as McChrystal right there is, is stating, uh, they're having a hard time getting people to voluntarily go out and... and That's not true, though. Uh, from what I understand, it was true that the military it was it was difficult to get people to sign up, and so they had lowered the standards over the... during the, Like, during the Bush administration, for instance, there were news stories about how uh, they were letting people in that were a little bit dumber and yep. a little bit fatter. Now you can and- be missing couple toes, be gay, smoke pot. You can do all that and still be in the military. <laughs> right. So they, they definitely lessened their standards. But what ended up happening, uh, as I understand it, is after the economic kind of crises hit uh, in 2008 when these uh, you know this recession began. Of course, some people say it's over, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, but when the recession began, people were feeling the, the, the pinch even more of the economy. And that drives people into the arms of the military because the military recruiters can say, hey, yeah, you know, unless you want to work at McDonald's here for the rest of your life there, son, you should come join the military. We'll train you on a skill. We'll give mm-hmm. you some college education money and you know, maybe you'll live through it. Well, it's, it's a nanny with a beret and an M16, you know. It's yeah. <laughs> yep. He says uh, a revived draft, including both males and females. There you go. Should include three options for new conscri- conscripts. How does that make you feel? Uh 
it makes me want to laugh at him because <laughs> that won't be happening. So for you're not going to go. I'm not going. Okay. Because uh, you're definitely draftable age. <laughs> In fact, one of yeah. the proposals. I'm not draftable though. <laughs> I, I don't know if. Uh, let's see. I don't know if this is. Yeah, they're going to probably address the age here in a little bit. Each person that's proposing a draft, each bureaucrat or editorial person, they always have an idea for what they think the right age range should be. So in a lot of cases, uh, some people will say, "Well, we need to expand the age of the draft." They'll say it used to be to like 36. 12 year olds. Why not? And they're talking about expanding it usually to like 41 or 45 or something like that. So they'll have even more of a a selection. Some could choose 18 months of military service with low pay but excellent post-service benefits, including free college tuition. These conscripts would not be deployed but could perform tasks currently outsourced at, at great cost to the Pentagon. Paperwork, painting barracks, mowing lawns, driving generals around, and generally doing lower skilled skills tasks so professional soldiers don't have to. But if they want to stay, they could move into the professional force and receive weapons training, higher pay, and benefits. So that's always what they... This is Allie talking now. That's always what they say um, to people's... That, you know, it's a career thing where you can always move up if you want to mm-hmm. or you can just stick with your little desk job. But then you end up in a situation where... I mean, as far as I understand, a lot of people end up in a situation where they're like, why would I ever want to move up in the system? This is terrible. 855-450-FREE. Well, certainly a lot of people will go into this uh, draft situation and then come out very turned off to the military. I mean, that's going to be one of the, I guess, perks of this. But we'll continue with more details on what this guy's plot is. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number for your thoughts. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves toll-free, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and of course you're invited to join us over at freetalklive.com. We've got a webcam. You can watch, listen, and interact with other Free Talk Live listeners. Go to cam.freetalklive.com, and you'll find the chat rooms built into the same page as the cam. It's all free, of course. Once again, cam.freetalklive.com. Now, also, uh, the Free State Project, your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime. Get together with other people that actually care about freedom and that are willing to get active to achieve it. You can go to freestateproject.org, get the over 101 reasons to move to New Hampshire. Uh, That's a really persuasive list. But to me, the number one reason to move is to be around the people that understand the ideas of liberty, to be around other people who, like you, believe in freedom and are willing to do something about it. There's, There's just no way to describe how great that is until you actually experience it. Now, Ali, you're the newest of uh, movers in this room, I believe. Uh, Bo, you've been here for, uh, what, over a year now? A little point? over a year, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Ali, you came here in the, the early fall of uh, of last year, or late summer. Actually, it's been almost a year. I have about, it's been 11 months. 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. Congratulations. Yeah. And so uh, you've heard stuff about the Free State Project before you moved. You were well aware of it, obviously. You'd listened to various different people talk about their experiences. But it's not the same until you actually experience it yourself, right? No, it's not. It's it's interesting because like any group of friends or movement, anything like that, if you talk to someone who's been in it for a while, they're going to give you the good and the bad. And you know, you want to be optimistic. You don't necessarily want to hear the bad things. And then, you know, you I I came up here and I was like, oh, they're just they just don't they don't get it. They've been here for so long that they're just you know they're just complaining to complain. But it really is exciting. And I think that a lot of people here don't really know what they have because they've just been here long enough that mm-hmm. they've forgotten what it's like to not live around all these people that, you know, get it when it comes to liberty. Yeah. So it's easy to forget because it just seems like it's so natural and it, you just start to get used to it. And it is better than living other places where it's not that way. So, um, yeah, I mean, just overall, it's better than anywhere else I've ever been. So 855-450-FREEZE, our number. You can go to freestateproject.org to learn more about that. I think it's great. And, of course, there are nearly 12,000 people that have signed up to come up here and join the movement in New Hampshire. A thousand of them are already here, and we want to get to 20,000. So please go to freestateproject.org if you love liberty. If you don't, then you can just stay right where you are. Let's continue with Kevin listening in Indy to WXNT. Kevin, you're on Free Talk Live. We've been talking about the draft. What's on your mind? Well, the only way that you should institute a draft is if there's a clear and eminent danger to the United States. And only if then... Why Why would you even want to do that then? Okay. Uh, for instance, if Japan has just attacked Pearl Harbor or if um, someone has nuked the United States of America in St. New York City, and then they're going to continue, they will destroy the United States unless we go and kill them first. So if, if that's the only alternative... <laughs> And we have we you know unless you want to be ruled by well or, first of all I'm, we're already ruled by uh, de- despots in Washington D.C. But uh, just to kind of question your premise here, if there was an attack on the U.S. as per the Pearl Harbor incident, don't you think that alone would motivate enough people to voluntarily join the military? Um, yes, it, it does. However. You're, you're going to have to have an institution that will need to organize those individuals. So based on your premise, if it's, all, if it's even more of a volunteer, fine. But you're still going to have to categorize the people. But then before you do anything else, and see, I'm, I'm trying to lay this out so that you would not go into an Iraq. Um, you have to be willing to pay for the war first, like they did in World War II, having the war bonds, etc. If the populace sees an eminent domain danger, if they see that, first of all, we have to pay for it, there's no way we would have went into Iraq. Well, first one, of all, it doesn't have to work that way uh, with war bonds because they can just go ahead and print the money. Well, let's look, just if you follow my logic, you're you're only going to pay for the war with hard currency from the people of the United States. Why would you make They're a statement not, like that? It's not true. That's not how they have been doing it. No, that's what they did during World War II. They paid for it as they went. This isn't the 1940s. Times have changed. Right. They've gotten that rid of the gold standard. There's no gold, there's no gold standard. There's no gold backing to the currency. Hold on, Kevin. There's no gold backing to the currency, so they can okay. now just well, print as much gold, as they want. The gold, go back to the gold standard, and that's fine with me. Okay. But do so, not have a war unless you're willing to pay for it with hard assets. If you want to use your bitcoins or whatever, that's cool. 
do not have a war, do not print money, do not create inflation. Cool. So now we're talking about Kevin's perfect government where Kevin is in charge and Kevin gets to set all the rules and all the programs. It's not going to work like that, man. Okay. What about your 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 right to uh, defend yourself with uh, weaponry? I mean, like you have that ability and that that right, don't you? Well, apparently, you need to be told by uh, some general what to do in order to be effective. I, the only way you can go after an enemy like that is everyone has to unite. I mean, it'd be great that's nonsense. If we didn't have to. That's that's nonsense, and because uh, what you're, the statement that you just made suggests that central control is more efficient than decentralized control. Well, I, I would and, I would uh, well, hold disagree. On a second. Look at look at uh, look at the example Abraham of Afghanistan. Look at the example of Abraham. Afghanistan. There's no centralized control over the people that are defending their homeland, and they're doing a fine job. This ragtag uh, group of insurgents that doesn't have anyone telling them what to do from some high level. They self-organize, and it's a decentralized method that's very effective at defense. You're talking about going after somebody. I don't want to go after anybody. I just want my, you know, the place I live and the place where people I, I care about live to be safe. That's all. Well, I hate to tell you this, but there are evil people out there. And if, if Abraham Lincoln did not centralize the government, then the North would have lost the war. That's because <laughs> of logistics. You know, just like today when you say women aren't in combat, yes, they are. They're, they're there in logistics, and if, if it gets bad, they, they hand them weapons and they say go out and kill. So women are just as much involved in everything now as, as ever. Was there a draft so for the Civil War? Did they have to draft people for that? They, uh, they did, but it was it was a it was horrible. It was you could pay three hundred dollars and get out of it, or you could send your brother or your cousin or your indentured servant or whatever. Yeah, you need, the, you want a, a better I, draft where no one can escape, right? They're all forced right, into it. Right. It, you're Sick, only going to have a draft. I'll go to your premise. Well, it has to be total volunteer. If, if we're attacked like that, yes, people would fall. I don't so even. That's not do even you, my premise. So, do you agree uh, that having a strong sense of security and defense is important. I only, you know, I've listened to this program for a couple of years, and I totally agree that the Army and the military is just another extension of the police state, and we need to curtail it. And But we do have to have some type of protection from the You're, forces. But on, why would Kevin. you not want, like, a private, I mean, if you've been listening to the show for years, then I would hope that you have... I would have you'd have an understanding of how incentives work and economics works. And when you have a socialized system doing things, you have okay. waste and you're less effective. So why Who's would you want R and D though in weaponry? Who's going to create the weapons to put us keep us ahead of the curve? No, That's no. the only reason right now that we're strong. The people we with the incentive to profit would do the R and D. I mean, if okay. if we're talking about a world in which there's no central military, no overarching monopoly force, then it would be the the people that are defending folks, the private protection agencies and those groups okay. that would come up with the uh, the innovation. I mean, that's like asking who's going to innovate cash registers uh, for the okay, stores the that are selling products. Your, I mean, it's ridiculous. The only problem with your theory, though, is this. China has the largest standing army right now, and they don't buy into what you're saying. It's just a matter okay. of the red, <laughs> the red horde, the old Chinese threat. I mean, really? China's not buying it, man. Are you going to go there? Because the, the Chinese people... 
Mm-hmm. They'd have to be insane to wage war on the United States. Number one, they don't have the. They may have a large army, but they can't get them here. Uh, number two, oh, they've got all okay. kinds of products and services that they want to sell to us. Why would they want to decimate, destroy their number one customer base? I that doesn't know. make ask, any sense. Ask Hitler and ask Tito and ask the Japanese. Uh, Hitler do. and the German people did okay. not have the near the okay. economic influence on uh, America as do, do the Chinese today. Thank okay. you for the call kevin 855-450-FREE your thoughts are welcome this is free talk live do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally free talk live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two xm channels ftl has also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to talkers magazine's heavy hundred list the hundred most important radio programs in the country we can do ad packages for you from as little as five hundred dollars a month on up to three thousand i'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget contact me mark at mark at freetalklive.com is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll free line. 1-855-450-3733 and join us on our website. Head over to freetalklive.com if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live. You can go to promote.freetalklive.com. That's where you'll find a, a number of things that you can do, like flyers that you can print out and distribute uh, to the web graphics that you can download and put up on your website or your blog. Different ways for you to get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world, including a free bumper sticker. You can get details on all of that over at promote.freetalklive.com. That's promote.freetalklive.com. As we continue here, uh, we've been discussing the draft. Of course, you can bring up anything that you want, but there's much more to come from this uh, character over at the New York Times, Thomas Ricks, who has essentially outlined what he believes is the best plan for the draft. He says that uh, it could be an 18-month military service uh, with low pay, excellent uh, benefits, he claims, including free college tuition, and uh, they, that you would not be deployed if you joined the low end of the draft, if you will. Uh, you would do paperwork and paint things and mow lawns and clean bathrooms and uh, menial tasks to free up the professionals, he says, to go around and do the killing. So does he recognize that in today's world, you can't just make your way through college by... Uh, cleaning barracks and painting houses or whatever it is normally like Mm. you know out in the real world you can't do that but somehow it's going to be economically prosperous if we force people to do these things and then give them a free education how does that work in his mind i don't know if he's even arguing that it'll be good for the economy i think he's just arguing that it'll be good for the country Mm. Um, and you know, when people like this make a point like that, what they mean is that it's good for the idea of the country, the idea of the nation, the idea of the United States, which of course, as has been discussed before, uh, and it, you know, deserves repeating the United States isn't real. It's just an idea. There are plots of land. There are people and buildings and things within those plots of land, but ultimately the United States is just an idea. The nation is an idea. And uh, I th- in my opinion, they're dangerous ideas because they separate people. They give people a, a line on a map to look at and they tell them, you're better because you were born within that line. You're better because you are born in the United States. And uh, they create this uh, love 
this kind of warm-hearted nationalistic pride, this fervor, uh, this feeling within people, and they utilize that, uh, this idea of a national identity or national sovereignty. They utilize that to play off of people's uh, fears and to play off of the, you know their fears of strangers and of other people around the world who of course are not in any way shape or form different from from them i mean people around the world have the same wants and desires and and needs as all the rest of us uh, and the idea that they were born somewhere else somehow makes them an enemy is absolutely ridiculous but this is uh, one of the tactics they use to bring people on board with things like uh, the draft but let's go uh, to you and your thoughts here because we can continue with the new york times editorial but obviously, you're more interesting. So let's go to Giuliano listening to WXNT in Indianapolis. Giuliano, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how you guys doing? Great. What's on your mind tonight? Not too much. I was just wondering because there was a commercial that followed that last uh, the last bit you guys did that was talking about uh, you know gold standing the test of time from the Romans and so on and so forth. I was just wondering, like, like where do we come with the idea? Like, I wonder what made gold so valuable in the first place. Like back then. You know, like what what made that the currency? Like, I wonder why they chose to go with gold. Like, so Bob Murphy has like, some interesting theories about where money came from, and uh, this is Bob Murphy from the Mises Institute. Yeah, exactly. And um, so he goes into a big long spiel about it. But basically, what he taught me was that. It's just sort of, it's not like the kind, money is not, or value is not the kind of thing that someone can just declare. It's, you know, subjective. So each person determines on their own. But for purposes of trade, uh, it's important for everyone to sort of find common ground on what they're going to consider an easy medium of trade that we can all sort of agree this thing has value and it just makes it more simple to trade when we're not talking about apples and oranges. We're talking about one thing and that's, you know, gold or silver, precious metals, but mostly gold and silver. And that those two precious metals were just sort of organically chosen in that they're both scarce. Um, with just there's a limited amount of them, um, on, on the earth and that they're easily divisible. Uh, and there's probably, there might be more factors, but you know, that's and you know they have well, use, usage other than just you know currency too. Yeah, so they're useful in the uh, the economy. They're useful for various different reasons, uh, and of course over time the the uses have uh, generally increased. You know we've discovered new ways to use uh, gold or silver that wouldn't necessarily have been utilized hundreds of years ago, for instance. But originally, uh, people. The, the need for a medium of exchange came about because of what you touched on there, Ali, is that, well, if I've got chickens and you've got coconuts, but I don't need your coconuts, but you need my chickens. We might have to bring Bo into it because maybe Bo does like coconuts, but... And maybe I have something that both of you guys need. Right, and it could get you know more complicated from there. But it's easier for people not to have have to bring in a third party because you save time and resources if you can just agree on one thing. Right, so that's why a medium of exchange like gold or silver came about. And anything could be that medium of exchange that is universally valued by people. But you know, like clamshells, for instance, I don't really much care for those. They're not of uh, of use to me because other people don't value them. But if other people did value clamshells, then we'd see you know the, those being used as a medium of exchange as well but as you pointed out uh, they're not as uh, scarce for instance not as difficult to, to come across as uh, as gold and silver and maybe not as useful in industrial applications and such and so now with all that being said like what what took us away from gold to have money that's not backed by gold war oh. uh private banks wanting to uh, uh usurp the 
the people's energy, their money. Yeah, it's uh, you know I'm not a real conspiracy nut, but this one's a real one, and uh, the idea is that there are people who are you know a little bit more better educated than the average person who took advantage of folks essentially by foisting upon them a system of money that uh, eventually ended up being debased. So they created the Federal Reserve uh, system back in the early portion of the 20th century, and it was you know the the high rollers. I mean, these are the, the, the bankers and the international kind of banker types that essentially came right. together to plot to steal value from people because they're brilliant. And uh, they managed to, you know, they managed to pull the wool over people's eyes. They they issued these dollars that were backed by silver and eventually pulled the backing, uh, essentially. And most people don't know it happened. And if they do, they certainly don't know what to do about it. Well, you know, another thing that's that's interesting about the coinage is the the coins are still left with the ridges around the coin, which was used to, uh, you know, uh, stop counterfeiting or the stop detection s- system, right? So putting ridges on a coin detects clipping because when gold and silver was actually used for for coins for government or currency or whatever, uh, people would clip off the edges. Actually, it was in a lot of cases the king or whatever that was clipping them. But uh, folks would clip off the edges of them and kind of accumulate slowly over time enough gold and silver to melt it down into a whole new piece. So the idea was to put those ridges that you see on your quarters today uh, on on the edges so as where if somebody were to clip it off, you would be able to, able to prove that it was clipped. And now there's no real precious metal on these coins, yet they still keep On or on. inside, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Well, it's just well, a, as far as the draft, the uh, the only draft I per, or uh, that I uh, support would be draft beer. That's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Juliano. Go. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. One eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Robert is on the line. Uh, Robert, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how you doing? What's on your mind? Uh, where you, where are you calling I'm, from? I'm actually calling from New Jersey. Great. So tell me what's uh, what's on your mind tonight. Well, I used to have a tobacco store that just got shut down by the federal government uh, because of the law that Obama signed into uh, into law on uh, Friday, July sixth. This, this is this is what we talked about last week. This is the roll your own uh, stores. Yep. Yep. And so, just to uh, bring our listeners up to speed, you're somebody who purchased one of these large roll your own machines, like thirty thousand uh, dollar machines. Actually, I never had those large rolling machines. I had smaller automated rolling machines. Okay. That did about a carton in twenty to thirty minutes, depending on how fast the user was. Hmm. Um, and so the idea was to let to, to have customers come into the store, buy the the loose tobacco, buy the rolling papers and tips or whatever it is they need, and then utilize your store's machines after they've checked out to roll their own cigarettes. Correct. And now that's been outlawed. Uh, yes, because the way the language speaks, it says anyone who provides such machines is a manufacturer. Even though I'm not making the cigarettes, they're calling me a manufacturer of cigarettes. And what does that mean? Because I, we had talked about this story in detail, but obviously we were only reading the, the media's coverage of it. So it'll be interesting. I'd like, if you don't mind, can you stick with us and, uh, into hour sure. number three here? We'll bring uh, Robert back. He is the owner or former owner of a cigarette rolling uh, a, a store in which one could roll cigarettes. And uh, he and a number of other store owners have been put out of business. People have lost their jobs. Employees have lost their jobs as a result of this uh, what essentially was a transportation bill that had a provision that essentially made stores like his manufacturers. Well, what does it mean to be a manufacturer? We'll find out. The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keen. 
Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest Liberty Forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website. Head over to freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that are waiting for you there. Once again, freetalklive.com. As we launch here into the third hour, to, uh, joining you tonight, it is Ian here. And Bo. And Allie. And, of course, we'll take your calls about what you want, 855-450-FREE. Though the topic du jour this evening has been the draft. It's been the overarching discussion that we've been having throughout the show. Uh, The advocates are bubbling up about it again, this time with General Stanley McChrystal uh, speaking out in favor of a, a draft. And that has resulted in a bunch of media folks as well as uh, op-ed people coming out also in favor of the draft. We can get more into the details of what the proposition is, at least from the New York Times, uh, regarding the draft here in a little bit. But you can also call in about whatever you want. And Robert is on the line here with us. And last week, uh, Ali, we discussed this issue of the cigarette stores, the roll-your-own cigarette stores that have been popping up around the country, especially in more high-taxed uh, cigarette areas where the cigarettes themselves are much higher taxed than, say, the uh, the loose tobacco for pipe tobacco. And they've been offering equipment, in some cases very high-dollar equipment, very expensive fancy rolling machines, and in, apparently in other cases less high-dollar equipment that maybe runs a little bit slower, uh, to customers to utilize to roll their own cigarettes in the store. So they don't have to have the, their machine at home. They don't have to spend as much time rolling. Uh, they can utilize the store's equipment. But there was a, a transportation bill, I guess, that passed recently, like within the last week where there was a provision in that transportation bill that essentially redefined cigarette manufacturers to include these roll-your-own stores. And, Robert, that's what you just finished telling us a few moments ago before we had to go to uh, the news, and I wanted to make sure you had a chance to, to tell your story. So what, is yeah. it, what does it mean to be a manufacturer? What kind of crazy regulations were they attempting to, uh, to place on you? Um, well, if you want to be a cigarette manufacturer, first you have to be zoned in a manufacturing area. Mm. I'm in a retail little strip mall, so... There's no way I can even be zoned that way. Um, Second of all, to be a manufacturer, you need to have your machines licensed. In some cases, they're either $5,000 a pop or up to $100,000, depending on the machine. And is this the the FDA or the USDA? Who does that licensing? uh, This is the IRS, as far as I'm aware of. Uh, Other than that, I'm not pretty sure the uh, requirements, Hmm. but... To be a manufacturer, you have to seal each pack individually. Um, so now you need sealing equipment on top of that. You need to make sure they all weigh the same, which oh my most gosh. times they do. Uh, you have to have branding and packaging, uh, the state stamp tax. Um, then you also need a state worker there to verify that the packages are getting their stamps on it. And on top of that, wow, which is the really hard part, is that if you're a manufacturer, you cannot sell to the general public. 
Ah, nice. So they basically, there's no way that you could you could qualify because that was one of my questions when we first heard about this. Well, what do they require? Because we know that these manufacturers' uh, regulations are are basically built to only keep the big boys in the business and to keep uh, any upstarts or uh, you know low budget operations from coming in and possibly taking market share from big players like uh, you know the big tobacco guys, R.J. Reynolds and Philip Morris and and those folks. They can afford to jump through all these hoops. They're probably the ones that wrote the regulations. Absolutely. Um, I forgot the, it's a small uh, uh, child company of Philip Morris is the one who actually did the uh, campaign contributions to Senator Max Baucus of Montana. He's the one who wrote the transportation bill and put in this special earmark that basically designed uh, all these stores to be put out of business because there's no way we can comply at the same time, you know, work. Because basically what it says, if any customer comes in, sits down, and makes their own cigarette in any kind of establishment, that the establishment is now a manufacturer. Well, how do we be a manufacturer and still can't service the customers because manufacturers only service wholesale industry? So if you were to just look at this and say, well, screw this, we're going to keep operating, what would they do to you? Uh, well, the IRS can come in and throw the book at me because of how many laws that you're breaking through not having the proper permit, license, and taxes mm. like that. Wow. So, so you essentially – Federal federal yeah. crimes and violations and thousands so, of dollars in fines and jail time. So you were just put out of business, just wholesale, one stroke of the pen, uh, you know, this, uh, business, uh, this bill being signed last week put you completely out of business. How long had you been operating there in uh, – where, where are you, Jersey Shore? Is that right? Yes, I'm in uh, Little Egg Harbor, which is maybe 20 minutes away from Atlantic City. Okay. Um, I've been in business, well, was, for a year and four months. Uh, there's, I'm the only store in New Jersey that does it. Um, there's hundreds of stores in other states that do this. Hmm. Um, the biggest person I know owns 19 stores. He owned those big machines that cost about $45,000 a right. pop. And, and he's out of business, too. Yeah, he had 44 of them, and he still owes money on them. And how many employees did he have to you know, fire? How many employees did you have to fire? Um, I laid off two employees, and I'm also basically laid off myself. And right. Unfortunately, as a business owner, I'm not entitled to any unemployment. Oh, yeah. What uh, happens with your lease, by the way? Don't, uh, don't normally these uh, commercial leases last for something like five years? Yeah, I'm in talks with my landlord right now um, because I do have a long-term lease. And yeah. it's how can I pay my lease if I'm making no money? <laughs> you don't have so, a business. Exactly. I mean, there's no way I can comply. Um, I could sell loose tobacco, but nobody wants to roll it on a hand crank because it takes 45 minutes to do a pack if you want to do it really nice, where mm-hmm. my machines did it in 20 to 30 minutes. You know, very easily, very, you know, you don't have to hurt So yourself. now you've got to come up, you're, you're under an agreement to pay for a retail location. You've got a storefront, and was it like a strip mall or something like that? Yep. There's uh, two other stores in this little mall here. You got a little storefront there, and you've been open for business for a year. Now, all of a sudden, these federal regulations have come into play, and they're threatening you with violence. So you either shut down or face whatever violence the IRS or these other regulatory agencies want to bring upon you. And so, of course, most people are going to shut down, but then you have no operation, and so how are you going to pay the rent? Exactly, and I'm a father of two, and this is my only means to provide for them. Wow. On top of that, since you know I made mistakes when I was a young teenager— ruined my credit, I was unable to get a vehicle loan. So being a business owner, I leased the vehicle in my company's name. Mm. So now I'm also losing my transportation as well. 
this is crazy. You know, this this whole like what what you are doing, uh, what you started up a year and four months ago, that is what people try to pretend like America's all about. You know, the American dream, starting a business. Uh, you said you made mistakes in the past or with your credit. So now you're finally trying to you know, not finally, but you are producing something of real value. There are a lot of people out there who uh, who who are dependent on cigarettes. They can't afford to buy the cigarettes with the taxes on them as they are. It's just too insane. And so people have been rolling their own, wasting uh, all their time at home trying to, with a stupid injector, like you said, it takes forever to try to roll a pack of cigarettes. And so you're creating something of real value, uh, helping people save time, um, even though they have this addiction to cigarettes. But it's a threat to big business, and so it must be stopped. You know, here's one of the questions I have, and I'm not a lawyer, um, but I'm wondering maybe you've, if you've considered this. What about becoming a private club? Would that change um, how it plays out? It might. It might not. I'm still waiting for my lawyer to get back to me on that question because uh, some of the people have asked that. And I've inquired my lawyer, but he's still doing legal research on that matter. Because I know that uh, uh, here in, in Keene, New Hampshire, where we're doing this show, there was a private club that started up. Uh, they ended up going out of business, but that's a whole that's another story. But the idea was sound, at least, and that was they were going to be a hookah bar. Well, in New Hampshire, there are regulations that say you can't have smoking uh, indoors in a business. And so, therefore, being a private club allowed them to get around that regulation because each person coming in was essentially going to sign up for a membership. And it was like a $20 a year membership. But, you know, in theory, you could make it two cents or a dollar or something like that, something yeah. trivial. And uh, and then, you know, they'd sign an agreement, a membership agreement. And then at that point, they were able to come into this club. They were able to buy, uh, you know, shisha and, uh, and rent a hookah and sit down and enjoy that. But they could also do bring your own beer. I mean, it was a bring your own beer establishment and most establishments. Establishments that are open to the public are not allowed to to do that, but because it was a private club, they were able to kind of get around a lot of these regulations. It seems to me like that might be the only hope here, and I wish you the best of luck. I hope you'll uh, let us know what happens down the the road as well. And Robert, uh, thank you for the the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. Whether it's cigarette regulations or the draft. Anything goes here on Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. Do you ever have connectivity problems due to poor Wi-Fi reception? I have an amazing solution for you. C-Crane's Super USB Wi-Fi Antenna 3. It can provide connectivity for up to a mile. We're using it at my house, and I can't describe it as anything but stunning. This antenna will change your life. If you're not familiar with the C-Crane company, their products are the best. I highly endorse the C-Crane company. Get your super USB Wi-Fi antenna at ccrane.com. C-C-R-A-N-E.com. That was a long time to cough. 855-450-FREE. SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up absolutely anything that you want to. We're here to take your calls. And this evening with you, it is Ian here. And Bo. 
And Allie. And, of course, you can join us on our website. Head over to freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features that are waiting for you. We give them away. You can uh, go and get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners. We've got the bulletin board system there that allows you to to interact on a forum situation with our listeners. bbs.freetalklive.com will take you there. And it's free, of course. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. 18,000 radio stations from around the world can be at your fingertips. Pandora, Opio, Live 365, as well as MP3 Tunes. They're all available through C-Crane's CC Wi-Fi Internet Radio. And this thing will work wherever you can get a Wi-Fi signal in your home or in your office or, again, wherever it is you want to take it. Uh, you can play your favorite station. You can play from one of those uh, those features like Pandora. You can also uh, use their website uh, the, to kind of organize your stations as well. Ccrane.com, C-C-R-A-N-E.com is where you can go to get the CC Wi-Fi internet radio. You can, of course, pick up Free Talk Live's live streams as well as LRN.FM through this device. It is an amazing uh, piece of equipment. And if you love radio and you love choices, this thing gives them to you. 18,000 stations. Ccrane.com. That's C-C-R-A-N-E.com. Mention Free Talk Live at checkout and get yourself a free flashlight and free shipping for a limited time. So I think you have through this weekend to take advantage of the free shipping deal at Ccrane.com. As we continue here, Robbie is listening in Arkansas to XM's America's Talk. Hey, Robbie. Hey, good evening. I, I believe that we should bring back the draft, and I have a plan for doing so. Oh, boy. Uh, but let me preface this by this, that uh, the reason my plan would be good is because it would ensure to keep us out of a lot of conflicts overseas. Oh, really? And the plan is basically, yeah, the plan is basically this. You make you take away the age limit, you make it from 21 up, and you put in, everyone over 21, you put the name in the bucket. And if you're a congressman, your name gets put in a thousand times. <laughs> military, That's cute. If you're a military contractor or a stockholder uh, of a military company uh, who makes weapons uh, for the military or, say, it's Boeing or, or any of those other companies, uh, then your name gets put in 10,000 times. I see. That's and, very, uh, that's we'll, very what, sharp. What we'll do is to ensure that there's no fraud is to have those who are suffering from Agent Orange and those who are suffering from Gulf War Syndrome who, who've had form little babies. Uh, we'll have those people overseeing it to make sure that nobody's tricked the system. Right, so basically you're not in favor of the draft because you understand... I am, that, in, that, in, that, in that situation, yes, right. if we do it that way. Right, so, well, well you must understand, of course, that uh, anybody out there listening to this program, uh, including yourself, will not be the person in charge of reinstating the draft. So therefore, because that program doesn't have a chance in hell of actually becoming a reality, because <laughs> it puts congressmen and military-industrial complex people in danger, therefore you are actually against the draft, and that was very tongue-in-cheek, and uh, I appreciated it. Well, I... If we did put it that way, though, it would keep us out of a bunch of conflicts, so don't say it can't be done. Have a good day. It's true. (laughs) Thanks for the call, Robbie. I appreciate hearing from you. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Now, there are people out there that uh, can bend the ear of politicians and will have influence on the way these things are decided. The New York Times uh, op-ed piece, uh, Allie, that you were sharing with us uh, is one of those things. Uh, You know, the New York Times being a relatively influential paper, it's, you know, obviously papers are dying and they're having a tough time, but it still exists. Thomas Ricks. Uh, wrote this, and you were sharing with us earlier what some of the the uh, the points were that this guy was uh, making. Essentially, that uh, eighteen months of military service could be well available or forced rather upon everybody coming out of high school. He says you'd get three options 
One of them would be this 18 months uh, basically doing menial labor, like cleaning stuff and folding papers and packing boxes. And then, of course, you could also join the uh, the real military as well. And then he... Uh, you yeah, he says... Um, those who don't want to serve in the army could perform civilian national service, like you were talking about, Ian, mm. for a slightly longer period and equally low pay. Teaching in low-income areas, cleaning parks, rebuilding crumbling infrastructure, or aiding the elderly. After two years, they would receive similar benefits like tuition aid. So, and then this next point I think is really interesting because he makes an exception for libertarians. He says, and libertarians who object to a draft could opt out. So is it really a draft if you can opt out? Technically, no, but I'm still interested in hearing more. He says those who declined to help Uncle Sam, those terrible people, yeah. would, would in return pledge to ask nothing from him. No Medicare, no subsidized college loans, and no mortgage guarantees. Those who want minimal government can have it. Really? Well, that sounds fantastic. Let's do, bring it on. Do I also get to opt out <laughs> from the IRS and Social Security and opt out from every other federal government program? Can I do that too? Because I have a feeling that he doesn't really mean that. I yeah, I don't. I think that this person must think that. So it's funny because I've never had anyone actually suggest that. Oh, it's okay if you want to opt out of government. You just can't, you know, benefit from government. So my my reply to that is I already (laughs) don't benefit from government as it is. So why aren't I able to opt out? Ali, you you do drive, don't you? Yes. Well, you benefit from the government. Well, I believe that if it weren't for the government's monopoly on the transportation systems, then I would be better off. So actually, government kind of gets in my way of travel. Well, yeah, you're forced to use these uh, these services whether you like to or not. And if you do pay for gasoline, then you are still technically paying for those particular products or services that the government is offering you. But, you know, it's interesting that he threw that bone in there. Mm-hmm. Like, why they would even acknowledge libertarians. Maybe that's an indicator that these ideas really are becoming uh, more popular, like the liberty ideas are becoming more commonplace in popular culture. And so therefore, the New York Times, which heretofore has you know likely been ignoring libertarians and libertarian candidates and such, you know, essentially this author feels like he has to address it. He feels like, you know, Ron Paul and the liberty movement out there is so big that he can't leave that out. And of course, he's well aware that should any portions of his ideas come to fruition, because again, he's not going to write the program. Mm -hmm. He's not going to write the legislation. He's just throwing out his ideas. So he must be aware that, of course, that's not going to be included. So (laughs) whoever writes the program is not going to write in an opt out provision. Right. And he obviously, you know, it's sort of telling because he evidently thinks that socializing industries is beneficial because uh, he suggests that, you know, minimal that, you know, opting out of big government somehow means being able to uh, like. So if you didn't have to go into the draft and that somehow someone could live a, a minimal government life. I mean, maybe in their brain, like in their hearts, they they realize the government's just an idea, but you can't really work that system where you just avoid government and all the things that come from it. Because, it's very difficult. Like he says, oh, no subsidized college, subsidized college loans. Well, if I wanted to go to college, I'm going to have to pay extra because of the subsidization by government of education. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to pay a lot extra and in effect 
paying the extra money for this loan, for these loans that I'm not even taking out. Well, they want to set up a system where if you want to avoid, uh, I guess, supporting the man, that life is very difficult for you. Right. 855-450-FREE, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. More of this uh, genius's plan here, the New York Times op editorial, where this man is uh, concocting some sort of uh, plot that he wants to foist upon every American youth. As soon as you graduate high school, you'll be given three options. 855-450-FREE. It's Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. Here tonight for you. It's Free Talk Live. It's 855-450-FREE. Of course, you can bring up anything you want. That's the point of the program. 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website. Head over to freetalklive.com and you can uh, get interactive there in various different ways. In fact, you can uh, listen online, of course. You can enjoy our live streams, broadband, midband, and narrowband flavors, different size uh, bit rates for different internet connection speeds. You can also uh, get a list of over 100 radio stations that air the show at various different times throughout the week over at listen.freetalklive.com. Plus, get information on our satellite listening choices, including two channels on XM that run throughout the entire week. Uh, in addition to that, there's our KU band free-to-air satellite channel, the webcam, and the listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance and listen that way. Go to listen.freetalklive.com to learn more. As we continue here, uh, we'll give you more information about the plan to draft the uh, article here, the plan to return to the draft. It's entitled, Let's Draft Our Kids. Which is creepy. It's from the New York Times. We'll get back to that. But first, Richard's on the line. Richard, uh, something's going wrong with our call screening software, so I have no idea from where you're calling. Are you in Canada? Oh, uh, calling from Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. Okay, very good. Go ahead with your thoughts. Just why? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Welcome, um, sir. The reason I'm calling is that, um, as you guys know, here in Her Majesty's Socialist Republic of Canada, we have a uh, publicized social Medicare system. Mm-hmm. And uh, about seven years ago in the province of Quebec, there was a, a decision that was handed down by the uh, Supreme Court that found that um, it was unconstitutional to not allow people to purchase private medical insurance. Hmm. Um, it's something that, that uh, people have been not really arguing too much about in Canada lately because everybody's just been so happy with our, our health care system, uh, despite the wait times and all that fun stuff. But just recently, um, some individuals in the province of Alberta are launching a lawsuit against their provincial, uh, against their provincial government um, to give them the right to purchase private medical insurance. So Quebec has, you know, so hold on, just to clarify, people that are living in the political designation known as Quebec, they can use private medical insurers or private medical providers, but the folks in the rest of Canada cannot? That's right. That's exactly it. Yep. Um, it, it. Basically what happens is that if, if you need a procedure done um, that can't be performed in your province, um, the, the province will send you to another province, and if it can't be done there, then it gets done in the States. Um, but if you're rich enough, you can just go to the states and choose the doctor, choose the hospital, choose the procedure that you want done, sure. and pay for it out of pocket. Do you still now, have you, to pay you, for into the whole socialized Medicare or uh, medical system? 
Absolutely. Yep. Everybody has to pay into it. Right. So you'll still um, be forced to pay in, even if you're in Quebec, you'll still be forced to pay into the system, but you can then use some sort of private option on top of that. Some sort, sort of in the same way that uh, young people in America can uh, go to a private school, their parents can pay for the private school, but they also have to, in, use, in most places, pay for the government schools on top of that. That's exactly, it's exactly the same thing. But um, a lot of people will say, you know, that that's great. You know, if people want to pay money, if they can afford it, then go to the States. But what that does is it takes the money out of the Canadian economy. Um, You're taking money out of here, you're spending it to another country. If there Mm -hmm. was doctors in Canada who can perform this, and if they're willing to take the money, then a person should be able to pay that. Now, um, the the problem that I have, I think it's great. I think it's awesome. But of course, all of my friends and everybody else who doesn't have a clue about, you know, the ideas of liberty or anything like that say, well, what about the person who can't afford health care and what about the person who um who who could die if they if they don't have health care um what do we do about those people and i always say things like you know charities and 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 the private sector can always take care of it um but now what do they say to you when you when you give those ideas well they they say that i sound like a right-wing american (laughs) that's that's basically it i mean uh when whenever anybody talks about privatized health care um instantly people around here just say well that sounds american and you know, it, hmm. without even saying that's good or bad, of course, they're they're wow. implying it's, that it's, it's bad. I think to a lot but, of people, uh, it sounds like a cop out to say, well, someone will do it. Charity. Let the charity do it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they don't totally realize that the, this whole concern that they have about people not being able to pay. They're not the only ones with this concern. They're not the only ones worried about people not being able to pay. That's why it would exist. Right. Well, right. the belief system, I think it really comes from... Uh, even though they may be able to acknowledge that other people are concerned about that, they must believe ultimately that most people aren't, right? Because to have the position that, oh, well, charity can't handle this or we can't do these things voluntarily is to have the underlying belief system that men are inherently evil and that uh, they're lazy and they're selfish and that they won't assist their fellow man. That That is ultimately that where I think that belief springs from. And usually if you talk to these people long enough and ask them enough questions, you can get them to reveal that about themselves, that that is what they believe about men, that they're the exception to the rule, that, of course, they're con- you know concerned and they're worried about the well-being of others. But you, the rest of you, you need to be forced into uh, to helping people. But then they don't worry that the pharma- pharmaceutical companies aren't just going to get behind everything involved in socialized medicine. They don't think that it like... They don't think that bad people, they're like siphoned off. They're, there's no way they can make it up into the high political ranks in order to make these things happen to their own benefit. Like if you don't give people, uh, if you don't allow for this, you know, huge amount of power, then, you know, whatever evil exists in society is going to be, uh, I guess it'll be, you know, it'll reduced yeah, to just, sure. you know, the individual instead of a huge organization that affects everyone in a huge political territory. Richard, any other thoughts you want to share? Yeah, um, I just have one quick question before you let me go. Now, so people always say the same thing, you know, what about the people who can't afford health care? If we had a privatized system, what about them? Um, you're saying that in the best retort, because I'm always coming up with trying to come up with a, a good a good answer that that makes sense to people because people just don't get it. The best way to explain it is that, um, you know, the private sector would take care of it, charities would take care of it, and perhaps they are the ones with the problem that they don't see the good in other people. That's what, that's what you're saying, Ian? I think that's where their viewpoint uh, ultimately comes from, is the belief that people are selfish uh, and that they will not help others. And you can nail that down. 
But uh, to you don't have to rely on just speculation to say that people would take care of folks. There's evidence that shows that that's the case. I mean, mutual aid societies did exist in the United States prior to the government's uh, heavy involvement in medical care. And we already still have charities today that do help uh, people get the treatment they need, whether it's the Shriners helping burn victims, you know, young burn victims, or, you know, fill in the blank of uh, St. Jude Children's Hospital, all kinds of different uh, options. But there would be more of those because money could be allocated individually based on the individual's desires of what they think is important rather than some centralized bureaucracy of so-called experts that supposedly know where all of this money should be allocated. But yeah, you know, feel free to to, uh, to have a, um, you know, if you get a chance to have a more lengthy conversation with somebody about this, uh, nail them down and ask them questions about, well, why don't they think that a charity, why don't they think, why don't you think charities would work? Why don't you think mutual aid societies and voluntary associations of individuals who want to help others would work. I I had a conversation with a police officer, a keen police officer in the park one night when we were having a night... night. uh, night, He dropped off. Thanks for the call. Uh, When we were having nightcaps up here, people were kind of hanging out in the park at nighttime, enjoying themselves and enjoying each other's company. And one night they sent sent a cop out to kind of monitor the situation. So we we chatted him up and uh, and had a discussion. And he told me that he believes in taxes even uh, because he doesn't like to pay them and that he wouldn't uh, pay if there weren't taxes so he feels like he needs to he needs to be told what to do and he needs to uh and he knows there are other people that are like him uh and i didn't ask him whether or not he believed that most people were that way but it was interesting to have somebody make that admission like yeah i am that selfish yeah i'm that guy that the the democrats are worried about or whatever i'm that guy because he probably is a republican or whatever and so uh, that's him and so he must believe that there are a lot of people like that and so they're just going to all hoard their money together and and they would never help another person. And it's ridiculous. Well, to suggest... Go, go ahead, Bo. Oh, well, I was just going to say, it, I, one thing I, I like to ask people who advocate socialized health care is, is would you personally force me to, to uh, comply with the program? Um, mm-hmm. That's a good one. I mean, if, if they're not willing to, um, to, to do that, then how can they justify sending somebody with... Uh, a badge, an authority, and a gun. If it's for the good of the country, then yes, I would, Bo. <laughs> we'll come back here and continue. Of course, you can bring up anything that you want. 855-450-FREE. That's one 855 And it again comes back to the idea that... Uh, you know, everybody knows what's best for these people, know what's best for everybody else. And of course, nothing could be further from the truth. We could have a much better health care system without government monopolization of it. We could have more competition, more innovation, lower prices, better customer service. It's all possible. It's Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, Buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give three bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love, but make sure you give three bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 855-450-FREE. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and you would like to help Free Talk Live, you can shop with us. Just go to shop.freetalklive.com, enter Amazon, 
through the links you'll find on that page. There's Amazon Canada, Amazon UK, and Amazon US. And then you can buy whatever it is you're looking for. So maybe you need to get some sort of fancy electronic device or you just want to buy a book or whatever it is you are interested in. They likely carry it because there are dozens of categories in which you can shop free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of items and you can even buy used as well. So go to shop.freetalklive.com and get your shopping taken care of. Now, there are other ways to shop on Amazon. In fact, the folks over at spendbitcoins.com will allow you to actually spend your bitcoins at Amazon, and they'll still send uh, sales through the Free Talk Live Amazon link, too. So you can actually spend bitcoins at Amazon through spendbitcoins.com and help Free Talk Live. But you need to know more about the bitcoin before you jump into it. Uh, Go to weusecoins.org to learn more about bitcoins. There's a nice little less-than-two-minute video on the front page there that'll give you a great rundown. But essentially, it's a decentralized currency that's completely digital and that is not issued by some sort of government agency or some kind of mega corporation or even a minor uh, minor corporation it's not even corporate at all it's not a business it's there's no entity behind the bitcoin there's just an open source project programmed by a variety of uh, people who have an interest in creating a currency that is really useful and doesn't pass through any of the gatekeepers hands i mean the bitcoins are amazing technology and they're changing the world and you can become a part of it go to weusecoins.org to learn more and then go to uh go to bitinstant.com and bitinstant.com will allow you to get your hands on your very first bitcoins uh with uh, by depositing cash at any major like a lot of banking institutions as well as even 7-Eleven uh Western Union other places like that so once again bitinstant dot com to get your bitcoins all right let's go to the phones and to you and your thoughts uh let's talk to robert listening to xm uh robert you're listening to america's talk hello there hello robert you're on the air go ahead oh okay let me turn this radio down always a good uh, idea it can be very confusing with the radio on yeah. in the background okay i'm uh i was calling i'm a vietnam vet hmm. and i know we had uh the draft when I was in, I did enlist on my own. And quite a few of my friends, they waited and got drafted. Uh, the only difference is they generally stay in for a little less time than I did. And when you're out there on the on the field, you can't look at anybody and tell whether they're a draft or whether they're drafted or they volunteer. Because when you're getting shot at, and everybody that's in combat gets shot at eventually, Y'all look the same. Y'all bleed the same. So you're really not fighting for God and country. You're fighting for your butt. You want to keep from, you know, getting killed. And I get, I get you what you're saying. Do. do you think that the draft is a good idea? Uh, actually, yeah, because it, if you put more people in, you don't have the same old people re-rotating back in country. That is, uh, I don't know whether you realize, they've got a lot of people after about the second or third time, they're starting to commit suicide. Right. So after homicide. after this whole experience, like, you know what war is like. You talk about how everyone gets shot at. Do you feel like there's a moral dilemma with putting people in that situation against their will? Well, actually, man is immoral anyhow. And if you're going to you're going to end up going either there or here, you know, I got a feeling that it ain't going to be long before they're going to be fighting right here in in uh, 
So the United States. Let me see if I understood what you just said. You said man is immoral anyhow. So therefore, because you believe man is immoral, that's totally okay to force people into the military. Yeah, I try not to be immoral as much. Well, as I, well, I understand what you try, and no, that's not exactly what I meant. I know that's how it came out, but it's it's not hard to say, but it's it's hard to get somebody to understand who hasn't went through it, and. It's always been that way. It's not just, a, you know. But a, I know a new people thing. who have been through the military and they regret it. But it's, it's and not. They, the, yeah, I understand. They they regret it, but you don't understand until you've actually been there. But I don't want to understand that. I don't. You, I don't have I an interest in understanding that. I don't want to understand what it's like to shoot at somebody you, or be shot at. I'm not interested in. Believe that. it or not, I understand that. But the thing is. The more people you get over there and get it done, you can get all of them back home. Get like what done? They haven't gotten anything done in Korea. They're still there. Yes, that's true. They got a <laughs> momentary 50-year-old truce going momentary. on. And, yeah. Robert, yeah, thanks well, for the call on the Thoughts tonight. Be- I appreciate it. 855-450-FREE. Let's continue with Andrew listening in Phoenix to XM's America's Talk. Hey, Andrew. Hey, how's it going, guys? What's on your mind? Uh, well, I'm kind of against the draft right now, especially with the way the economy is. It's just going to hurt it even more than it already is. Well, now, when you say it'll hurt it more, what do you mean? Well, because when they draft people, are they not getting paid, getting medical benefits, you know, so on and so forth? And then when they get out, if they're wounded, they're going to be requiring medical uh, care for a good portion of their life. Or you're you're correct. It'll it'll definitely increase the costs of operating the uh, the U.S. government and the military branch, and that will certainly be a drain on the economy. But there's another factor that you're missing, and that is that you're taking those people out of the productive economy. So instead of having them maybe you know working at a grocery store, or working at an auto repair place, or working at a, wherever it is they work, whatever it is their vocation, their career, their entrepreneurship is. They are no longer doing that. Now they're taking an order from the military. They're not providing a product or service on a voluntary basis to the, uh, the open market or the you know, relatively uh, you know, the, the somewhat open market that we currently have uh, today. And so all of their efforts will be then put towards the bureaucracy and the goals of the bureaucracy, which, of course, are to blow up uh, ordinance and to uh, kill people and to provide money for the military-industrial complex. So all of that money will become wasted at that point because it won't be going to anything productive. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I served in the Marine Corps. You know, I did my five-year enlistment. I got out. You know, I wanted to do the whole career thing, but it just didn't pan out the way I wanted. And, you know, I mean, the way I look at it right now with the way the economy is and everything, you know, whether or not they want to do it or not, drafting them isn't necessarily the right thing. You know, the military is mostly all volunteer anyways, and as long as the conflict is not per se World War II size, you know, or, or Vietnam where, you know, they were needing bodies after bodies due to the conflict, there's no reason to do a draft. But anyway. you would support you know, if – but let's, let me see if I'm clear on something – if some military brass or a president or whoever or Congress says, well, or we need more bodies, then you'd be fine with a draft at that point? No. It, it all, I'd, I'd have to say it all depends on the conflict. You know, if it was as big as scale as, uh, say, World War II. Well, that's what he's saying here. McChrystal, the general, uh, this former commander, has said that, well, this is too long of a conflict. Uh, it's going on. We need to, we're going to have more wars. So if we're going to have more wars, we're going to have to have more people. I mean, that's essentially the argument they're making. Yeah, but at the, at the time right now, why bring it up as an option? Because it hasn't 
proceeded to be bigger. Well, because no? they can foresee that more wars are, are something they want. I mean, governments, uh, war is the health of the state. This is something that they are counting on for the future of their organization. There's nothing that keeps them from making these wars bigger. It's in their incentive to make more war. Which, yeah, which is exactly right. You know, I mean, in order to start a war, though, you need to act to Congress. As long as you can get the people to tell the Congress, well, we don't want this going on right now. Congress doesn't listen uh, to the people. Congress hasn't uh, enacted a war since World War II, but there have still been the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the uh, the Gulf War. So the, the term war, again, is just this legalese term that really obviously doesn't mean anything because they don't have to uh, to go through that process and, and enact war. My concern, Andrew, while I agree with a lot of what you've said, certainly about the uh, economic factors of the draft, uh, that you're not coming at it from a principled perspective. You're more looking at uh, you know pragmatic reasons for what you think are important. But if the war were the right war, then you might change your mind and decide to support the draft. And my position is that if you know if there's a reason to get into a conflict, then people will will join up. I mean, they will do whatever it is that it takes, whether it's defending their own property in their own home or joining up with some sort of a uh, you know mercenary force or whatever this you know group of people that wants to go around the world and do things. I'm not interested in that personally, but I totally support people defending themselves and defending their uh, their own property. But I don't think we need a centralized government bureaucracy to uh, facilitate any of that. I think that people can take care of themselves, don't you? Oh, yes. Uh, I totally agree. Glad to have I you mean, on board. Thanks, Andrew, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Let's go quickly to Drew listening to XM as well. Drew, you're on Free Talk Live with the remaining moments here. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? you got about um, 20 seconds. Go quick. Alrighty, five years in the Army, two years in Iraq. The volunteers that already joined, they're they're hard enough to keep control. I was a team leader in Iraq in 08. We had guys try to kill themselves and wow. try to get out of the conflict in any way they could. So if you draft a bunch of guys who don't want to be there... The results are going to even be more. It'll be even that. worse. Uh, you know, Drew, I wish we had more time to talk to you. If you want, call us at the top of the show, 7 o'clock Eastern Time tomorrow. We'd be happy to talk to you more about your experience because I appreciate hearing from you tonight. And uh, we'll see you then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. I've been told no in many different ways. I give you an order and you're going to obey it. Who told you you can go this way? You can do that and you have to leave here. You cannot bring signs into the rally. Walk with me. Well, I'm, I'm, no, walk I'm comfortable here, actually. have a funny way of telling people no. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Coming this summer, Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. See the trailer now at victimlesscrimespree.com.